Hello and welcome to Voice of Restoration, a broadcast outreach of the Christian Brethren Church, bringing you Bible-based teachings from author and Bible teacher, Pastor Afolabi Oladeli. We set out very, very clearly for all of us yesterday, our purpose for being here because God is a God of purpose. We set out to get all of us to understand that we need a better understanding of the divine plans and the purposes of the eternal God who we just sang about. We set out to ensure that we all have a deeper insight into the times and seasons that we are living in. And above all, we set out that there be a motivation in the heart of each one of us, me, you, to do what it is that God expects us to do in this time that we may be accepted in your presence. And in speaking concerning the divine plans of God, I took you back the, through the scriptures and just for the help of many, because I felt and I sensed that I spoke over the heads of too many people yesterday, it's important that I retouch those points, answering that question, what's God's divine purpose, what's God's divine plan? And I find no other place to start again this morning than the prayer that the Lord taught his disciples in Matthew chapter 6. When they approached him and said, teach us how to pray. I hope you all know that scripture. Please let's turn to it. It's important that you see that even the Lord, when he came in his physical form amongst the Jews, he flashed before them. In that simple prayer, simple as we always take it, what the plan of the eternal God exactly was. Yes? Matthew chapter 6 from verse 9. Because God's plan through time was not hidden. What may appear to have been hidden in Genesis, he burst it open in the prayer that he taught his disciples. So that every man and every woman who is praying that prayer is making a confession that I'm aligning with you, God, in bringing to pass what you have said. Amen? It's not just a prayer that we recite, but it's a prayer that is intended to quicken your spirit and let you know that, yes, you are aligning yourself with God's plans that he has set from the beginning of times. After this manner, therefore, pray ye. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Stop. What? Thy kingdom come. And then the next very important point, which we dwelt upon essentially yesterday, is the very next statement that he made. Thy will be done where? On earth as what? That portion on earth as in heaven, I want you to underline in your scriptures. On earth as in heaven. And what I sought to show you yesterday was the manner in which it was in heaven. That the eternal God had a council. A people well, for lack of the right words, because when I see people, you will, you will think of yourselves. A set of beings, unseen beings, 
that surrounded him that formed the divine council of heaven. And I tried to show you from several scriptures, which I will now again show you, so that you understand precisely what we are trying to get you to see. I wanted for all of us to be able to read from the Jewish point of view. Because if you are not able to understand from the Jewish point of view, that's why we have all the confusion in the scriptures. When people talk about Elohim, they confuse it for this, they confuse it for that. I said to you very, very clearly yesterday that in the unseen world, those members of God's divine council are all called Elohim. Those members of God's council in the unseen world are all called Elohim. Mighties, the mighty ones, sons of God, these are the things that we need to come to terms with for us to be able to understand according as is in heaven, so it has to be on earth. I want you to now give me Psalm 89, verse 6 and verse 11. And give it to me in the Orthodox Jewish Bible. Psalm 89, verse 6 and verse 11. And those of you who want to compare, you can look at your King James or whatever it is, so that you can see the equivalences in the manner in which the Jew will understand the word that is being spoken, because the Jew will never confuse an Elohim with Hashem. Amen? For who in the heavens can be compared unto Hashem? Who in heaven can be compared unto Hashem? Who among the Nel Elim can be likened unto Who among the Nel Elim can what? Likened unto Hashem. Do kids grow up because the days of the times are at the end? You can't lock yourself to the common understanding that you find in all different kinds of Bibles. Release yourself to the study of the word of God and don't be novices. Because if you are going to serve God effectively in the times in which you are, you should be able to expound the truth in the fullness of the counsel of the eternal God that people will be able to understand and live in the base of their understanding. Take that scripture again. Verse 6. Verse 6. For who in the heavens can be compared unto Hashem? Who in the heavens can be compared unto Hashem? Who among the El Elim can be likened unto Hashem? Yes. God the is greatly to be feared in the sword Kedushim, council of the holy ones. Council of what? The holy ones. Council of what? The holy ones. There is the everlasting father. The almighty God, the creator of all things, who sits in the council of the heavens. And there are those that surround him, as I showed you from Job chapter 38 yesterday, where he was confirming to them when I was creating the world, said I laid the foundation. So when I drew the lines and I set the foundations, were you there when he was confronting Job? And he said something that was unique, where he said, the morning stars did what? They sang. And, this, yes? And he's awesome over all them that are around him. Mm -hmm. Hashem Elohim Sebaos. Hashem Elohim Sebaos. Yes? Who is like thee? Who is like you? You just sang that song now. I'm trying to bring this live to all of you. Because if you want to understand that prayer in full, 
And seeing the plan of God in the manner in which he has spoken, and again was repeating by the mouth of Jesus, you need to know the nuances. Because he said, I said to you yesterday, all the members of that divine council are all Elohim. But not all, all Elohim are not Hashem. All right? All the members of that divine council, by whom God administers, by whom he rules in the unseen world, who are his representatives, who are those who help him to carry out the instructions that he carries, that he wants done, all of them are called Elohim. They are in different categories. And as you saw in, in, in that scripture in Job chapter 38, he said, morning stars, and he then said what? Sons of God. Can you read that place? When they called Sam together, and the Nel Elohim shouted for joy. Can you see the word Nel Elohim again? That he used earlier on in the other scripture that we spoke to? All I wanted to emphasize to you here, one, there is a council in heaven by whom God executes and rules the unseen world. And if Jesus was saying, thy will be done on earth as is in heaven, then you know that God's intent is to create another council, amen, another council on earth that mimic and do exactly as the council that he has in heaven does. Praise the Lord. Take two more verses, two more scriptures. Because this is important for us. Because if we miss this foundation, all the other things that follow towards the end are going to be difficult to grasp. Particularly as you look at the positioning of the church vis-a-vis -vis Israel. The positioning of the church vis-a-vis -vis Israel. And it's good for us to get this understanding right. Give me again Psalm 82, verse 1, verse 6 to 8. 1. Yes. Elohim standeth in the Adat El. Elohim standeth in the council of the mighty, yes? He judges among the Elohim. And he judges amongst the Elohim. He's superior to all of them. He judges amongst them. Verse 6. Yes. I have said... Yes. Elohim ye are. Elohim you are. And all of you are Neo Al Elion. Yes. For ye and shall all of you die. are the sons of God, yes. For ye shall die like Adam. You will die like what? Adam. And fall like one of the Sarim. And princes. fall like one of those ones. And I asked you, who was that statement spoken of? Most of you were blank. Exactly what you have read there was in reference to what Jesus was saying or what the word of God was declaring in Isaiah chapter 14. Are you not the one that makes the earth to tremble? Who judges all the kingdoms? Have you come down to be like us? Look at it, Isaiah chapter 14. So, the corrupt Elohim judged by God. Those who departed from the counsel and the word that God had committed to them to do Judged by God. He wasn't speaking about athlings like us there. He was speaking concerning the unseen world where God has the divine counsel by whom he administers the unseen world in the same way as his objective was to establish on earth 
a divine council that will do exactly the same thing as a divine council in heaven does. Praise the Lord. That's why he said, let us make men like us. There is only one thing that man shares in common with the unseen Elohim. It is the status of rulership. It is the status of what? Rulership. That's why when he spoke in Isaiah, sorry, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 to 28, he declared it, he said, subdue the world. Rule over this. Rule over that. Rule over this. Rule over that. God's plan summarized by one writer. Let me read the way he puts it for you. Say, put simply, author Michael S. Heiser, the story of the Bible about God's kingdom is about God's will for and rule of the realms that he has created. The story of the Bible, the plan, the purposes of God is about God's will for and the rule of the realms that he has created, both visible and invisible, through images that he created, both human and non-human. Images are people who were created in his own image. Not that I, you can't, I haven't seen the face of God, but I know I'm in his image because I'm given the status of who? Of a ruler. In the manner in which the eternal God himself, he rules. Praise the Lord. Are you clear now? Are you clear now? Because this is so crucial. Because the advancement of the things that God was doing with respect to his plan is in pursuit of that. That at the end of time, his purposes concerning the rulership of both the sin and the unseen realm will be fully effected according to his will. And what we were doing yesterday was to try and trace that. Where are we? in the process of the execution of God's will and God's plan. Praise the Lord. In doing that, we went to look at the questions that the disciples of the Lord asked him in Matthew chapter 24. And we showed you that in there, there were three fundamental questions that they asked. The first one is, when shall these things be? That is the destruction of the temple. What will be the signs of your coming? And then what will be the end of all things? And in those three, I referred you to that first one in reference to what had been spoken in Daniel chapter 9 from verse 24 to verse 26. In that scripture, Daniel was speaking. Please read it. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people. Which people is he speaking about? Israel. Number one, yes? And upon thy holy city. And upon the, which holy city was he speaking about here? So the point of focus for any man who wants to judge and understand the process, number one focus is Israel. Number two is what? Jerusalem, yes. To finish the transgression. Yes. And to make an end of sin. Yes. And to make reconciliation for yes. iniquity. Mm -hmm. And to bring in everlasting righteousness. Mm -hmm. And to seal up the vision and prophecy. So as we begin to find an understanding to when and how those things will be confirmed, look toward Israel and look toward, look to Jerusalem. God doesn't make mistakes. 
And that's why we spoke a little bit about Israel yesterday. Israel, the city, and the Messiah himself. Of course, the Messiah was cut off according to that prophecy. He died, he was crucified on the cross of Calvary for you and for me. Amen? And you saw the contest as I showed you yesterday about the city of Jerusalem. When I told you about the menorah, this is an example of the menorah. And I just showed you a typing of that in what happened in the temptation of Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 4. What I was remarking and explaining to you was that that temptation or the things, the sequence of events followed the pattern of a menorah. In this time, it's a three-candle menorah because the first temptation was, which we said, it took him to the wilderness. Then the de devil taketh him up into the holy city. The devil taketh him up into the holy city and at the pinnacle him. of the temple, at the highest point of the temple. And then the third one was then, he said, he Take showed him all the kingdoms of the world. This is the form of the menorah that I was trying to explain to you yesterday, except that in that temptation of Jesus, you saw three times, but the most important point of that I was trying to show you was that the key one, because the servant lamp, it is this one that is at the center that is used to light all the others. That's why it's called the servant lamp. It turns out, as I said to you, that Jerusalem is what? The center of the world. That's why Satan is contesting it. That's why the temptation that came at the central point was give up Jerusalem, give up the temple. And if that has happened, then the cause is already lost. Praise the Lord. So that everything that God has put in his word is intended to guide us to understand the significance of all the things that God is talking about. And Jerusalem, center of the world, Jerusalem, the place from where the word, the law, the authority is going to come forth in the kingdom that is going to be established on this earth, that the word of God might be fulfilled as in heaven, so on earth. We'll get there. We spoke concerning Jerusalem, and I'll show you why Jerusalem became so crucial. And we will, as we talk more, there are things that we need to challenge ourselves about as Christians, me and you, because we cannot live as a people who have no understanding, a people who don't see what it is that God is speaking about, and then we get carried away in the stream of public opinion that we are finding around today. I will take you a little bit deeper into this doctrine of replacement, so you know the origin of it and know what the intent of it is. And know how to counter it as a people who know the word of God. Praise the Lord. But the key point that I need to emphasize, which I missed, is in relation to the covenants. You know about the covenant of shoes. The shoe covenant. In, you, see, you see that in Ruth chapter 4 from verse 1 to 8, but specifically verse 7. Where Israel said, this was the custom in the former times. In Israel, concerning redeeming and exchanging to confirm anything, one man took off his sandal and gave it to the other. And this was confirmation in Israel. 
Now this was the manner in former time in Israel. This was the manner in former time in Israel. Concerning yes. Concerning redeeming and concerning changing. Yes. For to confirm all things. For to confirm all things. Yes. A man plucked off his shoe. A man plucked off his shoe. And gave it to his neighbor. And gave it to his neighbor. And this was a testimony in Israel. And this was a testimony sealing a change. Sealing the transfer of things in Israel. This is a conditional on agreement between two individuals concerning some legal or business related issue. It will be binding until something mutually agreeable replaced it. Then you have the salt covenant. You won't find any specific examples of the salt covenant in the scriptures. But it meant that me and you, when we agree on something, you see, you have a pouch of salt. I have a pouch of salt. We pour, I, I pour it. If you can separate the grains of the salt that I poured in from yours, then we can say that it means that agreement can be broken. To the extent that you cannot separate that, that agreement stands. That's the salt covenant. And there are several th times that this have been referred to, alluded to, that you need. But the most important of all covenants is the covenant of blood. The covenant of blood. Because this was the covenant by which God himself, the creator of all things, the mighty one, decided to cut with this man called Abraham to seal the promise that he had given concerning the land that he had spoken. We are going to take a look at that one in a little bit. Praise the Lord. Thanks for listening. Join us again on Wednesday for the concluding part of today's sermon. For more information on today's episode, please call 0803-3628-796 or visit us online at tcbc.org.ng.